Hi everyone, this is Sam Black, continuing my SAT review of um, Crimson Vow, uh, powered by 17 Lands stats. Um, I have just finished talking about white, and now we are getting into blue. Uh, Lantern Bearer is the top performing common by uh, a lot, um, and uh, it's kind of delightful to see that the best common in blue and white are both uh, one ones that are deceptively powerful, or just like one ones for one that do a lot. Um, this card sure does a lot. Uh, the like one one for one part is you know solid pressure, whatever, um, and then the um, disturb part is just really really strong, like. Um, so, uh, the better version of this, um, I, the, I, I'm blanking on the name of two mana plus two plus two and flying, um, that has existed in other sets that is really, 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 really strong. Um, it was in original Innistrad and, um, Ixalan and was, uh, great in those sets and um giving a creature plus one plus one and flying is just a really big deal um this is also a good home for other auras in a disturbed deck so um like you often you know the kind of a really good natural curve with that is um you know lantern bearer and then the uh two two infantry um and then if either one of these dies, you play it on the other one and you get a 3-3 flyer. And then when that dies, you play whichever one hadn't died yet on another thing. Um, and uh, it, that's just a really strong, really simple play pattern. Um, and uh, yeah, so that like very strong in blue-white for that stuff. In blue-black, it's a really good exploit enabler. Um, and that means then, like, when you exploit it, you know that, you know, it goes to your graveyard, and then you can, like, you know, maybe just power up that big exploit creature that you played that's now just some vanilla guy, and now it becomes a big flyer. Um, so you got some hits in early, you got to exploit a one-drop, and then you get to make your thing better. Amazing in... Uh, blue-green because sometimes you get it for free because you're doing self-mill stuff and sometimes you get to make a giant green monster fly which is something uh, blue-green is really into anytime it can do it. Um, probably at its weakest in blue-red which is not to say that it is not great in blue-red uh, out of curiosity in blue-red. It is still the best performing common and still by a lot. Um, so again, this is a card that no matter what blue deck you're drafting, you should just take as many of these as you can. Um, I mean, like you shouldn't be taking it over rares or anything, but like this is just the best blue common. Um, like no matter what deck you're in, like, you know, there might be spots where you know that there's something else you need instead of this, 
But for the most part, if you are drafting blue and you see this in a different blue common, you should take this. Um, next up, second highest win rate for blue common, scattered thoughts. I'm a little bit happily surprised to see this. Um, had some fear that this would be too slow. It does read as a really, really strong card. Um, and uh, what we see with blue is that um, the, the counter spells uh, overperform. And then because the counter spells are good. So basically, I think what's happening with Scattered Thoughts is counter spells are really good in the format because you need the counter bombs. And so the counterspells do well. And then because counterspells are good, instant speed card drawing is also good because instant speed card drawing plays well with counterspells. Also, um, instant speed card drawing, uh, in addition to playing well with counterspells, plays well with a low curve. And when we see that the best white common is um, Minister, the best blue common is Lantern Bearer, um, we're going to see across the board that uh, cheap creatures are generally pretty good. Um, decks in general are going to have a very low curve. So having a low curve means that you're going to be positioned to be able to use scattered thoughts well. Um, so uh, this card that reads strong but could potentially be too slow for some formats uh, does play well in this format, is a good card. Um, you do want to be careful with this one. Um, as you can see, it goes quite late, and I don't think you want very many of them in your deck. So uh, if your position is, oh, I know Scattered Thoughts is good, I'm going to prioritize them, that can actually be a trap. Um, I think you don't want to take it very highly uh, early in the draft because of the danger of getting more of them than you can use, even if you know that it's good and it's something your deck wants. Um, or, you know, maybe take the first one aggressively to make sure you have it, but then stop prioritizing them. Uh, which is not to say only ever play one, just be aware of the danger that you might get too many. Uh, next up, Chill of the Grave. Um, similar, well, not really. There's some amount of the, oh, I want counter spells, therefore any instant is a little bit better because it lets me productively spend my mana. Though, um, really, this is one that most of the time you want to cast it uh, before the time that would be best to have mana up for a counter spell, which is to say you want to cast, like, usually you want to pass to your opponent's turn and then cast this, say, at the beginning of combat. And usually your opponent is going to go to combat before casting their spells. And so you're going to want to use the mana on this before you would use the mana for a counter spell. Um, doesn't always have to play that way if you have this in a counter spell. But the natural play pattern with this isn't as strong as with as Scattered Thoughts' natural play pattern at uh, synergizing with counter spells. But um, this is a pretty strong effect, uh, especially like in a you know, even vaguely tempo-based format, um, which, um, you know, this can be when it's not uh, in, in the games that aren't about a bomb. And also, um, just this for two mana is great. Um, if, you, if you do get the zombie discount on this, it becomes like an amazing card. Uh, this is a card that we've seen before. Um, it's 
fine at three mana, very good at two mana. Um, Syncopate, speaking of cards we've seen before, it's a direct reprint. Uh, but again, counter spells are good in this format, uh, both because of the importance of dealing with bombs, the abundance of instant speed cards that are reasonable to play in blue, and um, the low curve that you want in blue decks and in the format. Um, it does have some issues. Uh, counter spells are structurally bad against werewolves, and um, counter spells, especially syncopate, are bad against opposing cheap cards. But uh, it does enough things well that it is worth it. Um, Cruel Witness reads well, performs well. Um, just, you know, 3 3 flyer at common with upside is going to be good. I've seen some number of people occasionally surprised that I'm putting this in decks that don't trigger it very much. The trigger it text is like, it's nice when you trigger it, but don't get hung up on that. It's, you know, trinket text that's nice to have, but you're here for Phantom Monster, four mana, three, three flyer. And anything that you get in addition to that is just bonus. Um, Siphon Essence, talked about counter spells. Don't have anything to add. Um, this is, uh, you know, um, this answers, like, blood is nice. Your first blood is like blood has considerable diminishing returns so blood in a color that otherwise doesn't make blood is particularly strong um so the blood on this on siphon essence is like itself kind of a more valuable resource than the blood on a red and black card even though hypothetically red and black have other uses for blood that make them valuable the fact that this is often going to be your only blood uh in the decks that it's in um means that just like the diminishing returns on looting uh means that it scales in such a way that this is probably going to be better on average than your um nth best or your nth number blood token in your red or your red and or black deck um and then yeah uh counter spells are good for all the reasons i already talked about that applies here um wretched throng this is um a card that invites this mini game where you need to get more of them to be able to play them. And um, it's fine if you get there. Uh, this is a reasonable way to um, enable exploit, though I think that it is worse than most of the other uh, like dedicated ways to enable exploit. And um, the other thing that this can do well that I think it probably it might actually do better than enabling exploit is putting a lot of creatures in your graveyard for blue green. I think that might actually be where this card most excels is if you can get like three copies of these in blue green and you can just start finding ways to get them to die to fill your graveyard to um, enable your green payoffs. Um, that's that's what I think this card's really about. Um, can also be just a fine you know like blue red is kind of desperate for um playable two drops a lot of the time and this can be uh like can give you a number of playable two drops in a blue red deck the reason blue red is desperate for playable two drops is that blue and red don't typically have very strong two drops but blue red really wants to 
get on the board early so that it can um, hold up its mana and play a tempo game. And so uh, having a number of Wretched Throngs can be a solution to the what do I do on two to get on the board so that I can hold up my counter spells and removal and stuff like that. Um, so worst with white, okay with black, uh, probably surprisingly better with red than black, and I think actually best with green. And I think not great or a high priority in any of them, unless you already have two that you're trying to like really pop off with, uh, particularly in green. Um, repository scab. Uh, this is little on the clunky side. Some decks have trouble enabling. Like it's it's a difficult needle to thread in terms of I have enough spells that I'm routinely going to have one that I want to get back and I'm going to have a creature that I'm happy to sacrifice to do it. And this it's very, very rare that this comes up by uh, the time by turn four. Like the it's it's very rare that you can sacrifice a creature to get a spell back on turn four with this, which means you're either like if you draw this in your opening hand, just playing it as a three-three and being like, all right, well, here's my blue hill giant. Um, or you're playing it off curve and just holding it for a late game, which means that this ends up being um, a card for people who are looking to play a much longer game. Speaking of playing a much longer game, uh, my favorite use of this card is you um, that it allows you to uh, infinitely loop your deck with a single uh, when is the future, I hope is the name of the shuffle four things back and then impulse card, um, which normally you would need to find two copies of an uncommon to do with the scab. You can use the scab to get back the witness, then uh, the scab either sacrifices itself or you find some other way to kill the scab and then you uh, can use the witness to get back the scab and etc. Aside from that, can provide fine value getting your stuff back if you are positioned to do exploit things in a deck that has a reasonable number of spells. Um, but keep in mind, it is probably clunkier than it looks because it is very difficult to use on curve. Stitched Assistant. This is <laughs> the uh, closest... Um, mechanically that we can get in this format to organ hoarder though not particularly close in power level uh the it is a lot better to spend the extra mana uh to have a better ability and not require exploiting um but that's not an option that's available to us so sometimes it is worth jumping through some hoops to get what you can um this is like a nice part like just a, a good cog in a uh, well-prepared exploit deck. Um, if you have a lot of things that are uh, cheap and or profitable to sacrifice, this uh, gives you some consistent, easy value. It's uh, nice that it's so much less effort to set up than the repository scab, though obviously the payoff is a little bit smaller. Um, Cradle of Safety, uh, this one um, is, I think of it as like not good, but not horrible. Um, 
plays best in blue-white, uh, particularly where you have um, stuff that cares about enchanting your creatures, and then sometimes you end up like loading up your disturbed guys on a creature, and then you want to protect it. Um, can be a nice tempo play. Not great to have to leave mana up for. Um, has you know it's it's fine. Uh, not a lot to say about this. Alchemist Retrieval. Um, I feel like there was a time when bounce spells were better than they are now, and I don't really know what happened. Um, and uh, this is, you know, a bounce spell now. It's a little bit worse than Geist Wave um, in terms of just like how strong is this card. Uh, it's better to, you know, spend one more mana to draw a card. Um, basically, like, you know, when you're targeting your opponent's stuff, it's the same card. When you're targeting your stuff, you'd rather spend plus one mana to be plus one card. Um, this is, you know, a fine card if you're looking for a bounce spell. Has some nice bonus utility in terms of reusing exploit guys or uh, picking up disturbed enchantments to replay the front side of the creature. But for the most part, um, bounce spells just... I don't know. They they don't quite seem to be as good as I felt like they were at some time in the past. Um, Binding Geist. This is one that I've been uh, slightly disappointed by. A little bit surprised by how low its stats are relative to how the card reads to me. Um, seems like it's kind of an easy two for one like it's not hard to trade the front side for something and then answer something with the back side sometimes it only partially answers something on the back side um but like a three one should trade reasonably easily I, I will say i've played this a decent amount and it's been like more fine than bad for me um but it's also it hasn't been super impressive um i yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that the stats on this are as low as they are, but I'm also not, like, going to bat for, like, no, guys, this card's really good, you should play it. It's, you know, it's whatever. Um, Steelclad Spirit, I've played this in decks where I just want something to hold the fort. I think it's a totally reasonable way to do that. Um, you shouldn't be thinking a whole lot about, like, how to get it to attack or how much you're going to attack with it or something. If you want like a 3-3 defender with minor upside, this is there for you. Um, you should only want that if you're really struggling with twos and have good late game and you're serious about not trying to attack. You probably have some really good bomb rares if you're in this spot um, or at least a lot of good flyers. Uh, Skywarp Scab. This is uh, expensive and requires some hoops to draw a card and doesn't play well with white or green uh, because white wants to use its cre dead creatures to disturb and green wants its creatures in its graveyard for gra for uh, counting its stuff that counts that. Um, this is another card that has bad stats but I think is fine in the right spot. Um, it's, you know, a pretty real body. Like, these, you know, if you want to block flyers, it's a very good way to do it. Though it is um, expensive enough that if your opponent answers it, 
you're pretty far behind, especially if you're relying on it. Um, I, I think that this card is not at all embarrassing to play um, in the right decks, but uh, nothing special. Um, I do think that uh, the power level of commons across the board in every color um, is like the, uh, it's all on a very narrow band. The best commons aren't that much better than the worst commons. And, um, you know, these like, you know, Dreadlight Monstrosity, Fear of Death type cards that have really bad stats. I've, you know, like lost a game to Dreadlight Monstrosity by itself. I've put Fear of Death in my deck when I was like, looking for this kind of effect. Um, I do think that uh, there's, you know, a lot of room um, just across the board uh, in this format to um, evaluate commons differently from their stats based on what you're playing and generally to uh, take the stats with a grain of salt. This uh, like reasonably high synergy um, bomb-driven format where decks are about really different things based on which bombs they have, which synergies they're pushing. Um, so this is one where I really don't recommend drafting strictly by stats and certainly don't try to draft this based on some tier list that goes deep on saying this commons a B, this commons a C or whatever. That stuff's going to be completely meaningless, like more meaningless than it is in those sets for this set. Um, Sell-off and Tumor, I have uh, seen a report of someone who was skilled at Limited saying that they liked this card in a context. I am deeply skeptical, even if you're playing blue-white, even if you have a lot of disturbed stuff. I could imagine this ascending to the ranks of kind of fine, but I'm never going to be like excited for it or looking for it. Um, Though, uh, you know, I'm not going to commit to I would never play this, but um, I don't imagine I'll ever think it's one of the best cards in my deck or something. Um, Dreadlight Monstrosity. Um, there is a job that this gets done. <laughs> when you want an unblockable creature to kill your opponent because you are sure that they're going to be board stalls, this is that. Um, it is not a generically good rate. It is not a generically good card. It is not reliably unblockable, but I have lost to it. Uh, I don't expect to play it very often, if ever. Um, Fear of Death. I mentioned that I've played this. I don't really, uh, I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, my, the deck when I played it wanted to mill itself and was really looking for help staying alive in the early game. And when I drew it, it was still mostly pretty bad. Um, yeah, I mean, th this card is not, this is just like, a, you know, not impressive version of a bad effect. Uh, this is a worse version of a worse effect. Well, I don't know if it's a worse version, but it's a version of a bad effect. This... So the biggest problem with Serpentine Ambush is that um, a lot of the decks that want it would like to play it defensively and using tricks defensively is a recipe to get two for one because your opponent has man up when you try to do that. Um, using it offensively 
like what's happening here are you attacking with a one one and your opponent's blocking with something big and then you're eating it like how often does that happen um if you send your one one into a big creature they're probably going to figure something's up and um yeah there are just a lot more ways for putting this card in your deck to go very wrong than very right wanderlight spirit i could see uh, someone tricking themselves into putting this in a blue-white deck because they realize correctly that they are aggressive and looking for flyers. Uh, don't do that. Um, I think you basically never want to put this card in your deck, even if you are aggressive and looking for flyers, because those decks need to be able to play both offense and defense because Flyers are not the most aggressive thing in this format. And so when your opponent is attacking you, you need your cards to be able to keep you alive while your cheap aggressive flyers pack away at them. And this card does not do that um, and costs more mana than you want. Um, therefore, I don't think there's like a home for this in a main deck. I do think that this is a card that you could realistically sideboard in against someone who is attacking you with flyers or in a matchup where you're sure that you are going to be the aggressor. But uh, you, there are not really decks in this format that are blue where you want to commit as hard as this deck, as hard as this card is asking you to commit to its game plan. Um, uncommons. Bilumeg is, uh, that is an impressive win rate, and this card is really good. I will note that it is less played than uh, the five next uh, high win rate cards. That is because some portion of the time you draft it and then don't actually have enough ways to sacrifice it to use it. And... Um, this card uh, really, like, it's very hard to use. It's not impossible, but it's difficult to use this out of blue-black. You need things to go right. There aren't that many cards in the format that let you sacrifice things other than the exploit creatures, and there are only nine exploit creatures in the format, counting the two rares, um, which means that you just don't always see enough to get it to work. If you're blue-black, you usually will, and it's great. It gives you all kinds of value in all sorts of directions. Really, really strong. Um, is a good card. But be careful about taking it early, especially taking it early if you are blue and a color that is not black. Um, don't just blindly follow the win rate on this card and be like, oh, I'm sure this is great. Um, Make sure that you are going to be able to sacrifice at a reasonable amount of the time. Um, you know, 04 for three that scries to use defensively isn't the worst thing ever, but if you can't aspire to sacrifice it for value some reasonable portion of the time, you shouldn't be putting it in your deck. Um, Lunar Rejection. I love this card. Um, I mean, I, I basically always love... Uh, four mana bounce draw and this is a pretty good version of it um it's only single blue which helps 
and uh, there are a pretty good number of wolves and werewolves, and bouncing in for two is basically always amazing. Uh, very good to play with your own wolves and werewolves, where you can easily hold up mana to um, save them and draw a card. Also, um, it's really nice to just like have instance in your wolf werewolf deck, so you can pass to flip them and then bounce them on the cheap or bounce your opponent's thing or whatever. Um, also, if you are playing blue and you don't have werewolves, or even if you do, werewolves are going to be good against you because of how much blue wants to play at instant speed in this format. And this is your best hedge to make your blue deck uh, have cards that are good against werewolves rather than only cards that are bad against werewolves. Um, so it's nice that the spot where you get the discount on this card is a spot that this card is naturally synergistic with when you play it with those things, and that it is good against the things that are good against it slash you slash the deck that it goes in. Um, so as far as like, if I could choose a creature type to have this be effective against, um, relative to density, Werewolf is a great choice. Um, I take this as premium removal, basically, um, as far as all that goes. Diver Scab. Um, speaking of cards that you can draft as premium removal, um, as we saw uh, last set where um, Revenge of the Drowned was roughly as strong as premium removal, this is basically exploit to generate premium removal on a 3-5, five, uh, which is solid but unimpressive stats, but you can get exploit to be pretty cheap, and when you add a very good removal spell to solid stats for very low cost, you have a really good card. Thirst for Discovery, um, out of curiosity, this is 56-2, Scattered Thoughts, 50 so, 0.4% better than Scattered Thoughts, though Scattered Thoughts is taken ninth, while um, Thirst is taken more like fourth or fifth. Um, so uh, Thirst is obviously better than Scattered Thoughts. Uh, I think that's true in every deck all the time, um, but it is not that much better. Um, Though obviously, you know, it's more than 0.4% better because it costs a higher pick and valued higher, especially since all the same people want them for all the same reasons. It's a very easy direct comparison. Um, again, you know, you don't want too many too many uh, scattered thoughts, even though they occupy different spots in the curve. You're not really trying to like curve out with these card draw spells. So uh, diminishing returns for scattered thought. When you're thinking about the diminishing returns for the card draw in your deck, you want to take uh, Thirst for Discovery and Scattered Thoughts and the rare draw three uh, um, cleave card and add all of them together into one, you know, total diminishing returns for card draw bucket and then figure out how much of that you want. Um, so, you know, when you, when you have this, uh, lower your prioritization of scattered thoughts most of the time. Storm Chaser Drake, uh, two one for two flyers, good by itself. 
no questions asked, nothing else, just leave it at that. You're happy. Uh, this has other text. The other text is obviously particularly uh, good with disturb, also good with um, the white common nurturing presence or whatever. Um, also, hypothetically, can be good with the green uh, wolf spite or whatever it is, wolf strike, um, something like that. The, the uh, card that fortunately is not a fight, they don't hit back. And then also the fact that when it's night, it gives plus two power, makes it more likely that you're going to be able to use your Storm Chaser Drake to kill something reasonable with that card and get a card draw. But um, just to say, uh, you know, there there are spots outside of Disturb where you can do this. Obviously, it's good with combat tricks, but that's unlikely to come up on a flyer. Regardless, if you ever get any value out of this, it's great. If you somehow trigger it multiple times, you're really doing it. Um, but it's also just the, the floor here is so high because you're happy with a 2-1 flyer for two. Geistlight Snare. Uh, speaking of cards that have like an okay floor and a really high ceiling, um, this has been amazing for me in blue-white where it's usually costing two and sometimes costing one. It's really, really easy for this to be a gigantic blow and you counter just like basically anything for one mana. Um, and then the three mana version is fine. It's uh, a little bit worse than uh, counter creature make blood, but obviously it's a little bit more flexible um, because sometimes you want to counter stuff that's not a creature. Um, so uh, great card when you um, can uh, get the benefit from it and solid regardless. Uh, Whispering Wizard. Um, someone uh, in my chat, apologies for not crediting the specific user, pointed out that this is a upside down murmuring mystic, the W's flipping to M's. Um, and it's kind of cute. They're both like four drops that um, make one on flyers and you cast on token uh, or cast on creature spells. Um, anyway, one five is better stats than three two. Um, uh, Classy in chat points out. Uh, oh, multiple people apparently pointed it out. Uh, anyway, um, thanks. It's uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy to know about it. It's cute. Um, anyway, this card is a little bit worse than Murmuring Mystic, but uh, still solid. Um, I think it, I'm, it. Sorry, I think a little bit worse than Murmuring Mystic might be giving us too much credit. Uh, dying to um, red. Uh, like dying to like any red burn spell and base instead of basically no red burn spells is uh not great um like very not great like uh yeah th this would be much better as a one five but it's still you know it's it's a playable card as is um gutter skulker uh I think that this is a card th that people should take note of. I think this is a card that some people are too high on. Um, I've had some people watching me draft express a lot of enthusiasm about this card. Um, and uh, I think that it is, how does this compare to the common 3-3 flyer? 54.3% versus 55%. That makes sense to me. So uh, this has worse stats 
than uh, the common 3-3 flyer um, because it doesn't block flyers. Um, and uh, so it only has an ability aggressively and aggressively it only has an ability when attacking with a single creature is what you're up to. Uh, often when you're aggressive, you want to be attacking with everything. This is basically like a great way to win on a four, full board stall, but I don't think full board stalls are what most blue decks are up to. And um, so I don't think that this is really like what you're looking for. Um, so I think this is a card that is somewhat overrated. Um, Cobbled Lancer. This is a bit of a weird one. Um, probably best in blue-black, where you are uh, exploiting things which put it's a creature in your graveyard, and then you're likely not doing anything with the creature that you put in your graveyard. Though, obviously, if it's Persistent Specimen or Lantern Bearer, then you were planning to do something with it. So it kind of depends on which creatures you have that you're going to sacrifice. Problem with it is in blue-red, you probably, uh, you're not very likely to end up with a creature in your graveyard early some portion of the time. In blue-white, when you do have a creature in your graveyard, you often don't want to exile it. And in blue-green, you also don't want to exile the creatures that end up in your graveyard. Um, that said, in blue-green, if you have enough self-mill, then maybe you want this because you're happy to sometimes mill it and get a free option to spend four mana to draw a card. On one hand, on the other hand, the option to draw spend four mana to draw a card is just not that powerful, especially compared when you're playing blue-green to just leaving a creature in your graveyard, which is value itself. Um, so this is one where it um, really depends on what your deck is, how good you are at enabling this, how many cheap creatures you have, how likely they are to die, whether you need your opponent to kill them versus whether you're like getting them in your graveyard yourself. Um, there, there are a lot of questions with this card that uh, modify its power level, such that when you see 54.1%, you should say, I bet some people are using this well and some people are using this poorly. And in some of the decks where it's played, it's going to win a lot less than this, which means in some of the decks where it's played, it's going to win a lot more than that. Um, which to me says, if you're using it right, it's probably very good. But you want to be careful because I'm sure that there are decks that use it very, very wrong. Um, witness the future. Uh, this is a card that I love playing with. <laughs> uh, I, I just love looping my deck. Um, and I like that this one, when you draw it early, impulse is often just a pretty strong effect. Uh, look at four cards, choose one, put it in your hand. Um, especially if you have some bombs that you're digging for. Um, sorcery speed, three mana is a lot to ask for that effect. Um, I think that this is like more fun than good, but I do think that if your deck is playing a long game, especially a long game that has a good amount of removal and card draw, uh, this is really good. So basically I think that Witness the Future is 
uh, a better Clear the Mind. I do think that this is a worse format for Clear the Mind than Ravnica set that had Clear the Mind was, but um, this costs the same mana as Clear the Mind, and I think everything about its effect is better. Um, like you, the look at four cards is a lot better than drawing than getting one card, and getting four cards from your graveyard rather than your entire graveyard is often better because you're choosing only the best ones rather than reshuffling any garbage in your graveyard back in. Um, and so for anyone who played Clear the Mind, um, you know how deceptively powerful it is when you have a lot of good instants and sorceries, mostly removal and card draw, where um, you're uh, just, it's not just that you don't get decked, it's that your deck gets more and more powerful throughout the game. The more you cast it, the more you increase your density of good spells. And then you reach this uh, inevitable end game where you just cast your good stuff over and over and you can't lose. Um, this is a card that I have uh, not seen cast very many times, but I've seen uh, I've been I've seen people concede to me casting it, and I've conceded to my opponent casting it. Um, so, uh, I most I mean, I like to be able to loop this card if I'm playing it, which means either having two of them or having the uh, scab that can get an instant or sorcery back. Um, and if you uh, can't do that, I like this less. And then I basically only want it if I'm like desperate, like if I have very few ways to win the game and I'm worried that if my opponent answers a few of them, I might attack myself, but if I can use them twice, then I'll probably win. Um, this card, you know, like most of the time, most decks you don't want to value it or play it or whatever, but it's kind of an archetype itself. If, um, and it's the ceiling on this is high. Uh, Mischievous Cat Geist, this is another one where I'm really, really surprised by it being um, as bad as it is. Um, uh, it seems pretty strong to me. Like you play it and now you have this like threat that your opponent has to respect trying to not get hit by. And then uh, it's very easy for it to die. And then you can put it on a flyer and draw cards. I've played it a little. I've had good experiences, um, but I've played it in decks that use it well. Um, I assume based on its stats that if you aren't using it well, it's very bad. Um, and obviously it's on the clunky side, so uh, proceed with caution. Speaking of, wow, okay, so oh, I like all the blue uncommons, apparently, um, seeing, seeing the bottom end of this. Uh, Screaming Swarm, 52.2%. Um, not a good win rate, uh, but this card's been amazing for me. Um, most of the time I've had it, I've been playing blue-green, and... Um, I have liked that when I go hard on milling myself, this is a way to not deck myself. And um, I've found that in blue-green, it is pretty easy to deck my opponent with this because of the uncommon uh, spider that lets me make a ton of tokens. And blue-green's very good at generating a board stall, especially the way that I draft it, uh, which is to prioritize having as many creatures as I possibly can. 
Um, and then this has just been a really, really good way to make sure I don't die to opposing flyers and to give myself an ability to make sure that I don't deck myself and deck them instead in my high creature blue green decks. I don't, I, I can understand that the um, rate on this isn't great uh, in other decks, but I do think this card is uh, legitimately very, very good in high creature blue green decks. Speaking of cards that are basically only good in high creature blue green decks, uh, Soul Cipher Board is such a card. Um, this card is really, really good when it reliably flips itself reasonably quickly without spending mana, which is to say, if you're blue green with a lot of creatures and other things that are milling you. Um, if you are spending two mana and not waiting very long and you're getting a, a 3 2 flyer that can uh, spend four mana to slightly better than draw a card that's awesome um obviously if you have to spend a lot of mana and potentially like make your draws worse to try to flip it or whatever or like hope that your opponent's trying to kill your creatures a bunch while you have this and anything where you know it doesn't flip soon you don't want to play this but in precisely blue green where you're enabling it very well it's a very strong card wash away this is another one where it's like, how is this the worst performing blue card when we've already seen that counterspells are good in this format? And this seems like it's about as strong as the other counterspells. I don't have a great explanation for what's going on here. I've played this. It's been fine. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this card uh, categorically. Um, it, it is possible that the other counterspells are better, but if this is the counterspell you have, I think it's fine to play it. Um, rares. All right, Holebreaker Horror as um is just a complete joke if you can cast it. Uh, it doesn't matter what colors you're playing. Um, it, it really nothing matters. You just cast this thing and you probably win. I have beaten it, which is something I'm very proud of and something that should happen very rarely. Um. Dream Shackle Geist, uh, it's so a 3-1 for 3 that can have numbers almost as good as Hullbreaker Horror should catch your attention. Um, this is like pretty close to a 3-mana Dungeon Geist. Um, it's played super, super well for me. Um, this card's really good. Uh, Giralf, Visionary, Visionary Stitcher. Uh obviously great i would say that um when i've had it uh it felt less good than these stats imply but um that doesn't mean very much obviously my one experience is nothing compared to the uh 36 30 almost 3700 games that uh contribute to the stats here um clearly strong apparently very strong um I, it doesn't super matter what you're doing with this. Um, obviously, it's like a little bit better if you um, have uh, high toughness creatures. Worse, the more you have flying creatures or high power low toughness creatures. But um, just generally, uh, this you know lets you turn any of your creature into a flyer. Also, even when it's bad like when using this doesn't upgrade a creature 
it's still doing a thing where like, oh, my creature would die. Instead of dying, I'll turn it into a zombie and because you can use it at instant speed. So all of your chump blockers turn into flyers um, and like you get to ignore like removal spells on other creatures, though they're probably just going to kill this guy. But it's like, you know, opponents opposing abrades are not very good against this, for example. Um, Overcharge Amalgam. Uh, 3-3 three, three Flash Flyer for 4 would be really good. And then this is also like a Mystic Snake. Uh, and then it, but also it can stifle. Um, I shouldn't really have to spell out why that's good. Um, Mirror Hall Mimic. Uh, unlike many recent clones we've seen, this doesn't have to copy your own creature. And the backside of it doesn't have to enchant your own creature. And if you enchant your opponent's creature, you get copies of it. You often want to do that because then if your opponent uses a removal spell on the creature you've enchanted, they have to kill their own creature. You do want to be careful about using it on your opponent's creatures because whatever you enchant will probably start attacking you and or you won't want to attack into it because you don't want to kill it. And so you need to think about like, oh, my opponent has a 3-1, do I want to put this on it, given that it means they're going to attack with their 3-1 and I'm not going to want to block it? But uh, putting this on your opponent's creature is a powerful option to keep in mind. Also, uh, just clone. <laughs> like, ignoring everything else about this is a pretty solid limited card. Um, and then uh, followed footsteps, which is, like, what the back of this card is, is also a pretty solid limited card. And here you just get clone with aftermath followed footsteps, and that's awesome. Um, Inspired idea. Uh, this has worse stats than Scattered Thoughts, I believe. Um, sorcery is a pretty significant drawback. Uh, it being much more highly valued is also not great. Um, and it costing less doesn't help that much because you don't really want to cast it early. Uh, this is like, you know, a fine card draw option for blue, but nothing special. Um, patchwork. Crawler. Um, where's where's the card that draws cards for your does that thing count? Hold on. Sorry. Wait. So patchwork crawler. Uh this card's garbage. Like <laughs> um even if you are uh playing zombies, um it's not particularly good. Uh or like you i mean sorry i guess this doesn't this is a zombie but it doesn't really care about zombies like i don't know it's uh one two is very small uh this is a lot of mana to use it grows very slowly the uh abilities that you it picks up activated abilities only uh so you're not even getting keywords and stuff there aren't very many good activated abilities to pick up um uh yeah they're, they're just Ignore this one. Uh, Consuming Tide, that is a really bad win rate. Um, this one's a little harder to evaluate. I'm going to just have to trust the win rate on this and say apparently this is just not something you want to touch. Um, oh, it's only one. It's not all. Wait, each player chooses... 
Oh, no, no, it's all but one. Each player chooses a non-land permanent, return everything else. So you don't even get, get to bounce all their stuff. Um, maybe there's some way that you can, uh, like, there just aren't enough, like, good enters the battlefield abilities to, like, really build around this or anything. I, I don't really know what you should aspire to do with this card. Um, it looks like you should aspire to ignore it and maybe hope to play against it at some point or something. Um, people are taking this, it, this, this also just has really bizarre stats where people are taking it early and never playing it and then losing when they do play it, especially when they draw it. Um, I assume a lot of people taking it is just taking it to get the rare for their collection. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, whatever. It's not good. Um, mythics. Uh, Necroduality. Um, I have seen decks that use this well. Uh, I have also taken it kind of like a little bit later in the draft and not really seen anything to do with it. So I would say taking it early is a little bit risky, but, um, you know, the, the ceiling is there. Like, we see that it does have a pretty impressive game and hand win rate, um, but a really, really small sample size, which is to say, like, even compared to other mythics, just to say, you know, a lot of the time this doesn't end up getting played. Um, but when you do it, uh, it's really strong, like... Um, if you copy, you don't need to copy very many creatures for, uh, this kind of card to be awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's easy to not see enough zombies. Um, then there's this guy, uh, sorry, I'm not super familiar with the mythics. Um, I have never played with or against this one. Um, so I'm not going to have a lot to add here. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try. Um, this has good stats. It's a mythic. I'm sure you should probably take and play it most of the time. Uh, if it has text that makes it obvious what you want to do with it, do that. I'm not going to read it. Um, Cemetery Illuminator. Uh, I don't know if I've ever even seen this card before. Um, uh, I suppose I'll read it. Uh, the battlefield or tax exile a card from a graveyard. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Once each turn, you may cast a spell from the top of your library if it shares a card type with the card. Okay, so it's a future, it's a like center, uh, like a cursor of Kerfix for the kind of card that you exiled. So you can exile a land to make it a flying course or a prefix that doesn't gain life if there's land exile, which obviously there mostly isn't. Um, it can like attack to stack up other kinds and become a future site. It's a 2-3 flyer for three. Sounds like it's a pretty good card. Um, oh, it doesn't work on lands. Sorry, it lets you cast. So even if a land ends up in the graveyard, it doesn't work there. It works for other types. Um, so it never goes full future site. Um, but it lets you cast additional types over time. I mean, anyway, it's a 2 3 flyer for 3 that has like some, that exiles your opponent's stuff potentially, 
has some other things. Yeah, it sounds like it's, you know, good, not amazing. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, that will wrap us up on blue. Um, thanks for watching. And uh, I will be back in my next installment for black. Uh, bye.